0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome in. It's an early morning, Buddhist Biohacker here, Mountain Time, but welcome in to another episode of the Buddhist Biohacker. This is a very special edition. Um, We have been doing our Diamond Beauty series all year this year, and we'll continue to do it through the month of August. Um, But ultimately, what happened was I decided that there were this group of women who represented the incredible diamond crystalline light at the high heart center, the seat of the soul. And these women I invited to come back this year so that we could spend some time just really featuring them. Part of the Diamond Beauty series is that Karen Lazone, who is also a Diamond Beauty, has graciously written articles about each of these women. And that is up on my blog at lisamgunshore.com. And I believe Karen's going to be putting it up on her websites as well. Um, and so you can read about all of these women and connect in with them. And believe it or not, we have a Diamond Beauties t-shirt too in the store. And I know Liz, if you're out there, she has bought it. And it's really, it's an eco-friendly. <sighs> fabric and it's really beautiful. It's like a boat neck, long sleeve shirt with our Diamond Beauties logo on it. So if you want to be a Diamond Beauty, you can also get one of those. Um, So it's like another side note. And good morning, Raquel. And we are here on April 1st with April. Welcome, April.
1: Hi, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Me too. I'm so happy to have you here. And I think it's pretty funny and awesome that it's April with April.
1: I like Uh, it. I I don't even think about it because I have a month out of the year,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, right? It is amazing. It is amazing. So, you know, we do have a lot of new subscribers and community members from the OHO event. So even though you're not new to Buddhist Biohacker or to me, I think it would be good for you to share just a little bit about who you are and what you do to all of the new people in our community.
1: Oh, that sounds lovely. Um, I am a, my work is as a certified yoga therapist and I teach um, Zoom classes three times a week for the group, and two of them I call. Uh, what do I call them? Accessing um, practical movement, and then once a week I actually do weight a weight class, which is really fun. So um, <clears throat> it's really very geared towards. You know, I had somebody write my other me the other day on your app, and she said that you know I, I'm not good at yoga, and I hear that so much it's just irrelevant if you're good at yoga or not in my classes it doesn't even come into play right because it's about accessing your own powerful strength and that's basically what i teach you i'm also a certified life coach um and a neuro linguistic programming certified nlp within my um within my yoga therapy scope i you know, Ayurveda, Yin, uh, fas- like long, long-standing fascial education, um, and then I just keep educating myself as well. So you know, just continuing that education to take you know the the more i go in the deeper i go into this the simpler things are (laughs) you know what i mean yeah like we don't have to complicate things all we have to do is look at ourselves like stop looking at everyone else they have totally different joint articulations and muscle lengths and spinal lengths and all of that and it's like let's figure out what we're doing in our own lives you know and so yeah Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say in a nutshell, if you can make a nutshell of what I do, because it's so individualized, I would say that I um, just help point the way to patterns and habits that are holding people back, whether it's a habit in the body, a limiting belief, negative and processing negative emotions, um, you know, and a lot of discomfort comes from that. And so it's also being okay with the discomfort. You know, I train people like in the languaging of pain, which is really interesting. And so that changes and reframes the mind. I heard something the other day that pain is is subjective. It's, which is so cool, right? I mean, it's like, we can train ourselves to not push away discomfort, and it doesn't become discomfort anymore. So it's just me kind of, you know, pointing the way to individual patterns and habits and Beliefs and just
0: gently allowing those to dissolve, mm-hmm. which is a gift. And I agree. I think there's this over is over complexity. Even a word I don't know, but there's. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the word complex more complex. But you know, the thing is, like I think in in Western in in the U.S. We'll just say in the U.S. Um, yoga is has become very complex. It's like learning all sorts of different things and doing how much can you do in an hour class and, you know, really pushing yourself to an extreme. And I think one of the things that really blew my mind when I went through the yoga teacher training was learning how many people have injuries by pushing themselves in a yoga class because they ultimately don't know how to do a posture. And so, I love the simplification of what you teach and you taught some of your classes and your philosophy and some of the OHO summits last year. And I just really appreciate it. You did a whole class. It was just on breathing. And we really could just spend an hour on that. I was thinking the other day, I was like, you could really spend a lifetime just studying downward dog. Like it really... (laughs) there's so much complexity in one posture, let alone trying to do 25 in a flow or something.
1: Um, <clears throat> the, to speak to that, I don't even teach down dog. I haven't taught it in probably at least five years because, you know, here's the thing, the over complexity, which I'm a, I like that word, um, <laughs> in yoga classes are happening because people aren't in the basics. They don't even know how to stand. You know i think i taught a teacher training one time of advanced 500 hour teachers because getting a yoga therapy certification is a real big deal i was one of the first 500 yoga therapists i think in the world and over three years it's like getting a master's and um which is really interesting so you know i am able to teach so i'm an eryt even though i don't i don't have my yoga alliance uh Renewed. I have my CIAYT, which is like very know, known in the medical industry and all of that. Um, but it's really interesting because I've I've taught standing for a full day mm. because you know what our patterns and our habits show up when we sit, when we stand, when we lie, and when we walk. You know, <clears throat> really interestingly enough, at the beginning of my yoga journey, this is what's so interesting. Okay. This is a good story that I love to tell at the beginning of my yoga journey. I'm like pretty long. I've got a really long spine. I've had a lot of pain in my body early on, which kind of has me here now. So those were all gifts, but it was really, you know, I I did have a lot of musculoskeletal pain. So I would lie in, in, I would lie down at the end of class. You know, that was like during the time when everybody would come over and give you a little foot massage with lavender. (laughs) You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, God, I can't even remember that now. You know, so that was so funny. But, you know, I hated, I literally hated Shavasana. I hated it. And my first teacher training I went into and they were like, they, I don't know, this was 10 plus years ago. So I don't want to speak out of turn. I remember feeling like it was my fault and I had too much stress and too too much trauma and too many anxieties to be able to lie flat well. Everyone else was doing it, why can't you do it? What's wrong with you? That's literally what what I felt coming from the people teaching the first training I took. And interestingly enough, they had a guest teacher come in and she propped me. She put a bolster under my legs. She put a pillow or like a blanket under my head. She pulled a blanket up. She put something on my belly. And guess what I did? I started sobbing. And the whole class started sobbing because it was like unlocked this, this like this deep rest where I was being told before that I'm not good enough because I can't lie flat. Well, now I know. You can't lie. You can't lay down on the floor flat. We have all these spirals in our bodies. Our, spi- our, you know, teachers teach with these words of like square your hips. We're not squares. We're spirals. We turn this way. We turn this way. Our hips go the opposite way. We're a set of spirals, which is beautiful. But that set of spirals gets very, um, you know, imbalanced. And when you lie flat on the floor, it's really, really challenging at first. It can be if you have a musculoskeletal issues, it can be. And to give people permission for the fact that, yeah, it's okay that it doesn't feel good. What you're doing for your posture is incredible just by lying on the floor. You've got gravity minimizing your spirals, pressing you into the floor. And the, more, the longer you do that, you know, when I give people homework in the beginning of working with them, I tell them lie five minutes on the floor, it's all you have to do. Lie five minutes on the floor because the, because the work itself it, it we don't have to strive to do things it's it's uncovering this really profound effortless effort and that's what I work with you know like you you watch a you watch a beautiful like leopard kind of flow across the rocks right mm-hmm. we're human we're na- in nature why can't we do that it's because of all the mind things that we have our doctors telling us our core is weak. And I always laugh. I'm like, if our core is weak, our guts would fall out of our bellies. Like we have five layers of abdominals. Let's learn how to access it and stop the thinking that you're weak because, you know, that all accesses into the mind. So Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think what happens in the yoga community is that people that are drawn to the yoga community have like a certain set that to generalize, but a certain set of habits and patterns themselves. So that's why that community is being shaped that way. It's about flexibility. It's about people that might have been dancers before, and they're doing the splits, and everyone's looking around like, I'm not good enough because I can't do the splits, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, that's not what it, it it's about. It's about accessing your own strength. And that's so harmful anyway. I know in 2013 when I started when I took my um yoga therapy certification, I think that I think the largest non-geriatric population of hip replacements was female yoginis. Because they have been hang- we have been hanging out in our joints and and we have been not only encouraged but like you're more spiritual because you can go into the splits, which is kind of bizarre if you think about <laughs> it. Mhm.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And I, you know, it's kind of funny because I I practiced yoga for my nervous system. And you and I have talked about that before. So I was definitely not an athlete type person. I'm still not. Um, but I was really encouraged and excited to learn that my being hyper stable was actually going to support me doing the practice in a more effective, aligned and healthy way than somebody who is hyper flexible, who is, like you said, they're dropped in their joints, they're hanging out, they're not actually accessing those ligaments or those muscles because they haven't had to. So it's actually been a real gift because it's like, oh, I might actually be able to learn how to open myself up in a healthy way and use the yeah. use what I have as a, as a gift. I always that really surprised me and and gave me a lot of encouragement when I was learning.
1: I love that. And I, I know that you know, with Ayurveda, that hypermobility is actually treated as a as an issue in mm-hmm. Ayurveda. Like mm-hmm. it's actually an issue because what happens with hypermobility, is not just your muscles or your or your joints that are hypermobile. It also has to do with like blood cells and Uh, not blood cells, but the V, the, the vascular system. Mm -hmm. So There's a lot more like issues as you age with hypermobility. So it's incredibly important to, to, to be stable. And you know what? I agree. Like I'm, I'm hypermobile in some ways. Like I have, you know, some hypermobile joints and it was, and here's the same teacher training. I went in and was just doing a million yoga pushups, you know, chaturangas. And it's like, I had such horrible pain in my wrist, and and we and they were like, you know what, just keep going, just keep going. It's fine. You'll push through it. Well, that pain in my wrist lasted for at least five or six years, and it's gone now. I had pain in my wrist, my elbow, because you know what? My hands, like this is really interesting. You know how you push, you push in to the floor. Your hands have to have a certain mobility anyway, because mm-hmm. you gotta go forward and up. Mm-hmm. And I'm hypermobile in my elbow, but I'm not hypermobile in my wrist. So for me to have a healthy chaturanga, I've got to have my wrist doing this. I can't move my wrist past this. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing is forcing all these delicate bones of the wrist. And it's it's it really shows up. I mean, I'm grateful because my hypermobility has led me into um that a deep, deep understanding of what we need to find balance. Um, And so I'm, I'm really grateful for all of that. But at the time, nobody knew to tell me, don't do Chaturanga. It was like, no, if you don't do Chaturanga, you can't continue with this training, you know? Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) I do know because, well, I was really, so I was very blessed that my yoga teacher for teacher training was an alignment fascia teacher. Like she definitely was protective of how we learned those postures. So I'm really grateful for that because I learned a lot. However, I know how the studios are and it, there's so much, there's so much of all of it, the judgment, the shame, the competition energy, the push through it, you know, and you know, there's, and then you have hip surgeries and rotator cuff surgeries and all these things, but none of it addresses what yoga actually is, I feel. And that's something I'm so grateful for you and for Satyam here on the channel, who are both yogis who speak to what yoga really is versus just doing a power vinyasa. Like that is not the answer. You You
1: know what our bodies, I, I, I struggle with the word yoga in the wider world because it's, con- it's connotations are not good. right? Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, there's a there's a certain bunch of habits and patterns that draw people into that community, right? There's a lot, of, unfortunately, of eating disorders. <clears throat> there's a lot of um, and you know yogas even before we we got, you know onto Zoom this last year, I mean, everybody's, like, in their short shorts or, like, booty shorts and doing these crazy poses on the beach, which is, you know what? I'm not – that's not a judgment. What I am saying is it's just another exercise. Like, that's – like, make it what it is. It's just another exercise class, and that is okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Don't wrap it in the guise of the spirituality. And that's what happens is I think – And that's what I what happens in a lot of spiritual communities, not just a yoga Mm -hmm. community, not just a you know, it happens in church communities. It it it's this hierarchy thing that starts to go on. That's like I'm and and this is what drove me crazy is like level two vinyasa, like you're not welcome if you if I let you in. You know, if you can't do like 15 handstands on the floor in a row, then you're not welcome in there. Levels are not helpful. They're not helpful. They just exclude people, and then everything that is mirrored back to me is, I'm really bad at yoga. Well, yoga, yes. not a sport. Give me a break. Like, and that's why I'm really, really I really think about that word. Like I don't call what I do yoga therapy. I call what I do accessing that, uh, potent, uh, accessing practical movement, right? I call it a weight class because you know what that it, it's yoga in the wider wider sense of what the word means which is union between all of our layers and that is 100% happening but i don't wrap it in the guise of what's happening in the wider yoga world and you know what that's fine that's that's shadow that is manifesting and and that will move through as well because what's happening what's what's emerged in the last decade is iayt international association of yoga therapists which is seeking to take the practice back and hand it to all beings whether you're in a hospital bed whether you're missing a leg whether you're you know it doesn't matter the people i work with are you know i started with one man in 2013 And we had to he couldn't get on the floor, which is, you know, pretty tip a lot, you know, pretty typical. And you're asking people to get on the floor and do all these things, first of all. We can't how can they get on the floor? So all we did for the first year is I taught him how to breathe, and I taught him how to breathe into his muscles. Now he gets up and down off the floor, and he's this incredible, like he has this incredible deep breath. Incredible. Like everything about him has changed. But, you know, if I go in and tell him to do a down dog, he would have fainted. Like, he has, like, pressure issues. I mean, so the thing is, is how can we make this accessible to all? Because it's so profound to learn about awareness and patterns. And, you know, like, for me, it's just been this incredible blooming and opening because it's, like, Oh, I, there's a reason why my wrist hurts. It's not because I'm not good enough. It's because I don't have the mobility to be doing a million and a half and a half push-ups. or, Oh, like I'm stretching my hamstring and locking my knee out. And now I have knee issues and hip issues, but you know what? I don't have to do that. I don't have to like someone just needs to come along, which I'm that person in this world and say, you don't have to do it like that. You don't have to do it like that. Trust the wisdom of your body. You don't have to do it like that. In fact, you're doing so much more good if you're tuning into yourself and you're saying like, you know what? I am not going to do this down dog. I think that's way more courageous than doing it and forcing yourself and hyper your elbows and hyperextending your knees and you know, jumping into your shoulders. And I mean, down dog is a very, very deep pose. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's very deep. And we should not be teaching that unless it's like in a workshop, unless it's like, you know, I've taught like an hour long workshop of how to, you know, getting into down dog and what that feels Mm -hmm. like. But it's, it's, it's too, it's too, the potential for it is
0: too damaging. Mm hmm. The potential for it's too damaging. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and we've got some great comments I want to share too. Yeah. Um, hi, Julie. Julie said, I used to believe I could never attain self-realization because I was not hyper-flexible and able to do the asanas perfectly. More spiritual BS that we are taught. Thank you for the conversation. So <laughs> cool. And Karen, hi, Karen, is saying, thanks for this, April. I have some of these issues too and have often been so frustrated with myself because of it. And yeah. You want to give up. I mean, when I finally learned how I needed to be to get into a downward dog, like yeah. I need to use a chair. Like I can't yeah. do it with my hamstrings. And I I've been working with my fascia and even learning that was like, Whoa, like this is why I couldn't do it. So I agree with you, April. I think downward dog, I mean, there's, there's, I spent a whole month with my students in my yoga classes doing nothing but going through the 14 alignment points of downward dog. And by the end of the month, those students were like, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. And most of us, because we're like this all day, which I am too, like at my computer, just to get your back straight in a downward dog, that could be a lifetime of undoing what we've done through our journey with electronics. I mean, it's, I agree with you. I mean, it's something that is, is not something to push yourself. Cause for me, I was obsessed with pushing myself into downward dog because I couldn't do it. So it was like everything I could do. And it's still a driver for me. Like it is still a driver for me. And I'm grateful for it because what it's driven me to do is to learn exactly what you're teaching, which is how the body actually works to understand how to do it in a way that's healthy, to understand where the work really is, right? Because the surface is, oh, I have to bend my knees and downward dog. But the underneath part is the work behind that, the work within your plasma, your fascia, your ligaments, your bones, like everything about that. It's asking you to go really deep inside your body, which also makes you go deep inside yourself, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, the more I do this, I think I was telling Julie this the other day, actually, the more I teach, the less I have to teach. Like, I'm not teaching anything anymore, meaning all I'm doing is pointing the way for you to be your own expert. You know, I don't, I'm not your expert. I can't tell you whether your wrist hurts or whether your knee hurts. If it hurts, back off. So I have a few like things that I I say a lot that I teach from. We, you know, because it's practical movement, people are moving different throughout the day. Sometimes I'll teach a class on how to pull the clothes out of a washing machine, honestly, or how to rake leaves or how to move a wheelbarrow or how to get in and out of the car or how to drive a car well, like that's what I teach. Because why not? I mean, everything is yoga. If we understand the correct definition of yoga, we don't go into a class and it starts and then it ends, right? It's, it's, It's integrating this, who we are and accessing who we are. That strength and potential is already there. We just haven't learned how to access it. So, you know, I really believe that, you know, our joints are for mobility. They're not for stability. So we have to learn how to access our bones and our muscles for stability. And we have to be stable as we sit, right? Because as you press into bone, bone builds. And so what ends up happening when you have posture that's not good, it's, I think I've talked about this on a show before, so I won't go into it too much, but you know the national osteoporosis foundation realizes that you can reverse bone loss and i have seen that in at least 10 of my stu- of my call them co-creators because i am not a, i'm not the I'm not the teacher i'm not they're not my clients like they teach me as much as i teach them because i get the beautiful opportunity of seeing them in in action but going back to osteoporosis you your posture will change uh, will change your bone density you know, I, I think I talk about this all the time, but this vertebrae right here, if you're in forward head posture, can you see the vertebrae? This, this mm-hmm. thing's backwards. Okay. So if I'm in forward head posture, every inch that my chin is forward, I'm putting 10 pounds of pressure on this vertebrae. So I'm at 40 pounds of pressure on this vertebrae right now or 50 pounds of pressure. So, you know, they're called last straw effects where people's vertebrae or, you know, they have to get surgery. It just kind of shatters or it, or it, um, or, you know, we lose the, we lose the, the, uh, what am I trying to say between the, the cartilage between, right? Because, and then we're like, how did that happen? Oh my gosh. No one's saying how it happened. It happened because your head was five inches forward for 25 years. (laughs) Of course. But are we going to be told that in the medical industry? I mean, you know, the medical industry has its incredible points. It's emergency medicine, you know, and I think like and this is not this is something I learned from yoga therapy. So it may be changing and I hope it is. But there's like. Less than a percent spent in the medical industry on preventive medicine, because it's not where the money is. You heal people, they don't come back. Mm -hmm. not a good business model.
0: <laughs> I just watched I just watched a documentary last night called Heal. Ooh. And it was sort of it was it was good. It was a lot of the the major players that I'm not sure if I feel like I'm I'm in into their world necessarily. So it was a lot of major players in the spiritual uh, mainstream spiritual celebrity, I would say. Um, so that's, that is total judgment coming out of my mouth. Um, but so I don't know how I feel about that, but the message of the documentary, um, was exactly what you're saying. Like, because there's no money in it, (laughs) you know, um, it's difficult to, you know, there's not a, A place to support people to heal. I guess I should stop talking. I'm like afraid of getting censored. So I'm like, I don't even know what to say about all that. But anyway, it was a good documentary. So if you guys want to watch it, it's called Heal. (laughs) That's all.
1: I mean, I will say that I appreciate the medical industry in a lot of ways. I mean, you get in a car accident. Thank God. Mm. Our medical industry is equipped for emergencies. Like, you know, it's incredible how far it's come. And I Mm -hmm. believe it's going to continue to evolve into preventive medicine, maybe because the insurance companies are starting to push for that, too, because it is in their, it is in their interest to keep people healthy, obviously. So Mm -hmm. who knows what will happen. But really, this is a grassroots effort. This is not about the medical industry. It's about ourselves finding that we have efficacy, that we Mm -hmm. have hour that and you know that comes from knowing that you have a strong core knowing that you can access your potential that all is like intertwined you know if you're if you're accessing your potential in your posture you're going to find that it that it that it translates into standing in your power whether, no matter what it is, to make the best decisions, you know, to make the wisest decisions, it all translates, which I think is pretty profound, Mm -hmm. you know, so that accessing of power and that accessing of strength, first of all, we have to understand that we have that, that we have that strength, it's already there, we would be in the grave buried if it wasn't, like, it's just, you know, fascia itself, and fascia, let me just describe what fascia is, because it's,
0: Oh, I love
1: it so much. It's so fascinating. It's like if you take an orange and you peel the orange and then there's the pith, the pith is keeping the orange together because if you look really closely, there's all these little cells wrapped in the pith, right? That's our fascia. That's a really good example of the fascia. So we've got myofascia, which is between the skin and the muscle. So if this slides, like if this doesn't slide well, See what I'm doing? If this doesn't slide, if that just slides like that. That's re- really kind of stuck. I call it concrete spider webs. If it slides well, that means that, you know, it's pretty healthy there. I don't know where I was going, but there's a lot. So last year, I think, or the year before, um, it was found that our largest organ is not our skin. It's our interstitial fluid. And our interstitial fluid is the fluid that is moves through the fascia. It looks like, you know, in a spider web, it looks like in the morning dew, like dripping off and super juicy. Like that's what interstitial fluid is. And there are studies, scientific studies being done right now on does our interstitial fluid contain our consciousness, which is humongous because if you have fascia that's really tight and really stuck like again it's like kind of like velcro it just doesn't move doesn't mm-hmm. slide and so if it slides that's like really healthy fascia you're gonna have a lot less pain if you have this stuck and and there's an implication that our consciousness is in in our fashion interstitial fluid guess what else is stuck <laughs> yeah yeah so it's really profound to understand these things and to work in them in different, really creative ways, because doing a down dog is forcing your strength into your joints if you've never done one, and you're cutting off your your fascia. So you're doing the opposite of what actually is is healing. So it's pretty profound, but fascia is is an incredible, incredible tool. And you know, here's the other, I just love reframes. I just love reframes. So we're finding now, and the first fascial council was only in 2007, by the way. We're finding now that our structure, like we've worked with this compression model for a really long time of our structures. <clears throat> a compression models like a, a skyscraper, a ch- you sit on a chair, right? That's a compression model. What we find now, which changes Everything is that we're what Buck, Buckminster Fuller called a tensegrity model, or now it's called biotensegrity. Because what that means is you, if I I, I have my uh, teacher trainees do this, I pull bring in a big king size sheet and I have everyone stand around it, and I tell somebody to pull the sheet and the whole sheet moves, right? Mm. You know what I'm talking about. Remember those parachute things yeah. as a kid? That is yep. a biotensegrity model. So our fascia moves at 720 miles it moves at the speed of sound so if you fall off a curb you catch yourself that's Mm -hmm. not nervous system nervous system takes three seconds that's your biotensegrity system responding to the whole, which is this profound profound understanding of our bodies and it changes our posture if we understand that reframe deep enough it absolutely changes the way that our posture is because our posture does not come from our feet. Our posture comes from our center, which the Chinese call the dantian. It's the golden Mm -hmm. stove, right? That's Mm our, that's our anchor. So it depends on how our feet stand and how our knees are and how our upper body and how our head sits atop of our spine. And what determines that is what we're doing with our, you know, right, like maybe three, Three like lengths right underneath our bellies.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mean, no, you know, I got me on my favorite subjects. I know. Well, it's mine too. I mean, I I've said this a hundred times with Deanna on here from Block Therapy, but I've gotten nine inches in a year out of my hamstrings. Nine inches. Yep could never touch my toes without bending my knees. And I'm like this close. I got like two more inches to go. Um, but the unwinding of the fascia, and to get even even more interesting with it too, I mean, I, it's mine too, I mean, I could talk about it for hours with you, um, is in Ayurveda, fascia really has a direct correlation to your plasma. Mm-hmm. Not your red blood vessels, but mm-hmm. your plasma itself and when you start to work on the health of your plasma, which is something that I've been experimenting with. So one thing you guys can do is really fabulous is you can blend five dates with milk or alternative milk and drink that every morning and try doing that for a couple of weeks. That is one of the Ayurveda techniques or treatments for your plasma. And when you start to do that and start to work with the health of your own plasma, your fascia itself begins to change your flexibility and your mobility. And again, your consciousness by accessing the hardened like what you're talking about those hardened places of fascia I've actually accessed whole memories yep. that I've never remembered and my best example has just happened over the last 2 months which is I was in a car accident when I was 12 and when the car all I remember is going back and forth from the ditch we slid on black ice so I remember seeing the ditch coming back and forth and that was it until I remember waking up in the snow. And what's happened is by working on the fascia on my skull and and pressing into that and and understanding it and also working with the plasma like I was talking about, um, I actually remember now all the way to like the car went across. We went back and forth. We went across. We hit a culvert and the car flipped upside down. And when it hit the snow on the top of the car. I was pushed through the windshield into the snow. And I actually remember that now. I've also had memories of that near-death experience and where I went when I was unconscious coming back. That's working with fascia. So when you talk about April, our consciousness and our fascia, it's not only true, but just by accessing that tissue in your body and understanding it, you begin to understand yourself. You begin to bring memories back and you awaken. It's its own awakening. It is. I mean, it is, it is.
1: And you know, your issues are in your tissues. If you're doing, if you're doing, (laughs) you know, if you're doing shadow work, I believe that you're going to really access some like you're talking about right now. I mean, that's how I did it. I did it with this in this way. I mean, you know, we we had this amazing thing with Julie last week and she was my shining light there. And also it was coming at me from a lot of other ways. It was it was accessing this these things in my body.
0: You know, and I real
1: that's when I realized there's no separation. You know, that's another thing that I think is so interesting about what are what we're doing now. Like in most in most religions and even in the even in um you know like old yoga texts and all that, it's about transcending the body, it's about this thing being a piece of trash basically, and like let's get let's get out of this and get you know into mm. these other realms and the blah blah blah. Well, there's a whole piece missing and, and, and there's no transcending this. There's no, that not, that's not where the path lies anymore. It might have at one time. I don't know how that goes, but the path does not lie there anymore because this is what we are.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: This is what we are. We're also a lot of other stuff, but it's all, it's all one thing. Right. And, um, without working in our bodies,
0: I don't think we're accessing everything. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we deny our bodies. And Raquel yeah. is sharing. Raquel says, I work in the medical field. People take the doctor's word as gospel instead of trusting their own intuition. People have to want to do the work to get healthy. And it's true It, it in our culture, it's easier to have somebody cut out what's dangling down here rather than put your chin where it belongs and put your tongue where it belongs and have the dangle actually disappear right in that moment and and it goes back to the spiritual bs that that julie's talking about too is no one wants to change their diet no one wants to engage in their own physical body it's so much easier to deny it to just go eat the fast food to deny the body to not be connected with it to not do the work but when you do the work you don't need any of that other stuff it 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 releases you from needing all of these quick fixes that are around you
1: i'm probably um telling on myself here but i really think that when you when i have just Mm-hmm. I'm trying to articulate this because it's it's kind of a deep thought. Deep thoughts. <laughs> Remember that? <seven laughs> <eight months? laughs> um, Jack Handy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think here's the thing. According to the NLP model, we are 10% conscious. Our our minds make up of 10% conscious you know, mind and 90% unconscious Our 90% unconscious is where we connect to source and creativity and meditation. That's why I say when people ask me, I can't meditate. I'm like, you don't, you are meditation. Like you are that. Okay. So it's not about doing it or not. Cause you already are that. So that 90%, I think you can speak to in people, at least I found that. So instead of me saying like, Oh, they don't want to do the work. What I do is I like almost get a little tricky, you know what I mean? I'm just, they find themselves doing the work, they don't even know it in a way. And that's how actually, you know, that's how, that's what Julie did with me too. I I laugh about that sometimes. I didn't even know I was doing the work until after. But, you know, I mean, I think that person has to resonate. That's the first thing. So maybe there's a little bit of like res- resonation, is resonation a word, resonating. <laughs> we're just making yeah. up words in yeah, up words. So there's a little bit of uh, resonating with me because I think people see me and they're like, she can point me to what I w- actually want. And that's the thing is like, you know, I mean, it it's it's really interesting. Like I, I just I I feel like people find me when they need me, and that's you know I think I said this on Julie's thing the other day when when you know when we're when we're ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, I don't really necessarily look at anybody where they're not ready, they are ready. I just like if they're finding me, I just do the work with them, you know, and my languaging is very, very universal. And and that is, I hone that all the time so that I can speak to anybody. I mean, I've got Orthodox Jewish people, I've got you know, evangelical Christians. I've got everybody because you know what? Everybody has a body. Everybody knows what an arm is. Everybody knows what a breath is. So in my classes, basically, I'm pointing to yourself. I'm pointing to the self and 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 just doing it through the body and the body's gonna do the work the breath is gonna do the work and all i'm pointing out it's like me driving in a car you know through a beautiful mountain range and being like look at that beautiful blue mountain over there look at this beautiful spring little like branch that's blooming right it's just this universal thing that ends up happening you know and i get these great stories of people's mobility coming back and People like, you know, one man told me that I've worked with for a long time, I guess about five five or six years ago, he went to Israel for the high holidays. He came back and he said, you know, I've never, ever been able to sit in silence like that before. Well, all I'm doing is teaching him how to breathe and stretch in his hamstrings. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's all I was doing. And I think that it's really I mean, my work in the world is very very universal and if i can't if i can't speak to, let me rephrase that i i hone the ability to speak to everyone and i mean i don't use the word chakras and they're beautiful the system learning about the systems are beautiful and also it's in the mind like we understand it in the mind the body doesn't know what chakras are. They just know that, wow, I accessed something crazy just then. What is going on? I just, like, this whole thing, like, kind of, like, swept out. I mean, I found a different layer of myself, right? We don't know. Our bodies, they don't know their systems, right? They're not like, hmm, how's my vascular system doing today? <laughs> <laughs> how's my cellular structure doing today? It's a whole, right? It's a whole thing. Our minds love to think about those things. Mm-hmm. Our minds love to think about, oh, how's my lymph system doing? How's this system? Nothing's in a vacuum, you know? Mm-hmm. like when we really access, there are few words and it's this deep inner experience that's, that's not languageable.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I agree. Well, and I, you know, I I agree and I am with you in that, you know, we as spiritual practitioners, it's easy to get caught up in the astral traveling and the lucid states and the chakra systems and all the energy and getting out of the body. <clears throat> but there's a lot of power to going inside the body instead. And connecting with the body, just like you're speaking to as a whole, engaging with your own vehicle. This is the vehicle to be here. I mean, not everyone gets to be here, it and is. we were given these vehicles, and so for so long we denied them. And I was right there. I mean, when, back in 2006, like I was all about like how many. Uh, brainwave CDs. Can I listen to to astral travel? Like that was like my whole like focus. And over the last few years, I mean, I've just become so engaged and and just I have a constant longing to be in my body, with my body, on the planet. You know, smelling the trees, like all of those sensory perceptions. Forget extra sensory perceptions. How about just hey. our sensory perceptions? Yeah. Because that is that like source exists in all of these things that are right in front of us right now. They're not just things that are, you know, oh, this is just the mundane. You know that word, <laughs> <There's no laughs> the no mundane, thing the linear. No the, no the, thing. Yeah. there's, there's so much beauty to that. And, um, you know, Raquel shares, she said, it's true. There has to be resonation. She said, my very first experience in naturopathic medicine was awful Mm -hmm. and it made me turn away from it. Um, however, I believe God puts people in your path for a reason, no matter if there is a resonation or not. Um, she said, I definitely learned from that practitioner and not uh, resonating with that practitioner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: I um I, I going back to your last thing, I think that I think that when we here's the other thing that's happening that I haven't even spoken about, and I'm not gonna go into it long because I want to talk about I want to tell you about some other stuff I'm working on, but I do want to say that when we work this way, deliberately, stay in our bodies, change our language around pain, call it sensation, we're strengthening our nervous system and what happens is what you just said happened to you and what's happened to me transcendence is a form of dissociation and it's a form of flight in our nervous system fight flight freeze appease right and and so so understanding that is like what have i been running away from in my own body what we all have traumas. I don't care who you are. I mean, we we're human, right? We all have traumas. And, and to, to try to try to get away from that by, you know, going into all these other mind things is running away. And, and that's okay, too. Because you know what, running away sometimes is appropriate, you know, running our nervous systems have kept us alive. We don't want to get rid of our fight, flight, freeze, and peace. It slams on the brakes in the car. It helps us understand if somebody's dangerous and we need to get out of a space. We don't want to do that. We just don't need to live there. And I don't think many people say that, you know what, our world is very much like it is today because everybody's coming out of a place of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And everyone has a parasympathetic state not everyone knows how to access that the more we access that the more we uncover our own fruits of the spirit you know our own compassion gets uncovered our own i call it like just walking in grace right we go from and that's like what we're going to talk about next week i think or no the 15 is going from grace to grace we have that opportunity because our nervous gets balanced and that's what we do when we when we sit in a class or when we go to a class that's directed to that. That's when we do with we when we sit in silence and we observe the mind. We're never getting rid of the mind. That's part of who we are. We can change how we understand. We don't have to get to, to our thoughts anymore. We don't have to believe our thoughts anymore. And that's fine. Right. But the, the, the point is, is that we have to we can start to understand in a profound way when we're operating out of a state of fight or flight. And if it's appropriate to access the parasympathetic, the, the rest, digest, nourish, heal. Right. And And that is really skillful living. Because what I find myself doing is I'll find myself like, you know, being triggered or challenged and that's a fight or flight state. And I'm like, oh, it, when you start to know your pattern of trigger, it's like, oh, this is awesome. This is like a, such an awesome gift. Like, why was I just triggered? You go into this spiral, but asking the question of why you triggered you out of a fight or flight state and the more you practicing in a parasympathetic state you don't even know you're doing it a lot of times especially if you're like study if you're you know coming to my classes you don't know that i have geared the entire class to be in a parasympathetic state whether you're doing squats or whether you're doing weights or whatever you're doing it's that beautiful effortless effort that's happening and everyone's like even if i do a weight class everyone's like all at the end because you know we've asked deep strength strength doesn't have to equal stress and i don't think many people are out there saying that i only know because it's my own journey it's how far i've gone it's how far i can take people in you know and um i think that that's profound to speak to and you know that's just another form trying to get rid of the thoughts in the mind and trying to get rid of the fight or flight or or you know, thinking we're not spiritual because we're angry or thinking that, you know, we have judgmental thoughts and we're not spiritual. That's just a form of, again, kind of a flight state, Mm -hmm. you know, which is fine when we understand that we give ourselves permission to just be human. And speaking of, do you mind if I read something?
0: Yeah, do it, do it, please. We want to hear. Okay, so I am
1: working on a book right now. I don't. We don't know the name yet, but it's with a co-author, Katie Weinberger. Who, hi, Katie, if you're out there. I don't know if you are. But if you are, here we go. So we're gonna have a book out, and it's um, it's gonna be about 40 days of kind of like contemplation. Um, we're still working on it, but it's pretty amazing. It's just kind of downloading itself. It's it's really it's really fabulous. So I just want to read. Uh, and you know, this is a draft. So, you know, but this is part of it. It's called uh, so they're topics for 40 days or however you want to do it. You can open it up to the middle. You can do whatever. Um, This one's about becoming human permission. Do you mind if I read it? Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, I'm going to kind of skip through it. It was a long road for me to acknowledge my own humanness, to accept it and more to treasure it. I tell those who work with me that if we are called to do nothing else in this world, we are called to be human. This is a lifelong task is one of the ancient Greek Delphic maxims advised. Know thyself. Sometimes I'm regarded in puzzlement at first. However, the more we work in partnership, the more we discover together what it means to be human and what it means to give ourselves permission to be just that. What, I'm, what do I mean when I talk about accepting what is and to give ourselves permission to be human? Of course we're human. However, I'm interested in what it feels like to be us, to feel the pull of opposites so steadily, to access potential we didn't know we already had, to connect deep moments of sorrow and joy, to find out what we've rejected about ourselves, to learn of our own remarkableness, and to flip the script, turning our discomforts into gifts. All of us resist being human. This is a cultural belief and much dogma of different religions fortified this idea that we must immolate our body from spiritual. When I saw this rejection of my body and that which I didn't like myself, it was a profound recognition that I was striving against what I am. Mm-hmm. I went through a grieving period once I realized I had been fighting against what I already was desperately trying to change it. This translated into resisting every moment, a selfishness I was ignorant of, and being harsh and critical towards others. Most of all, I now see that I wouldn't think of my worst enemy what I thought of myself. Um, I'm going to read the very end here. This understanding allowed for the facts in myself that I rejected or was entirely aware of. To be works of art, the Japanese call this transformation kintsugi or golden joinery. Broken pottery is taken, mended together, and filled with gold in the seams. This method emphasizes the fractures rather than disguising or hiding them, and creates a stunning hole, even more beautiful than before. Only when we do, only when we can do the work of kintsugi within our own individual human vessels, excuse me, only we can do the work of Kintsugi within our own individual human vessels. It is for the brave, it is for the broken, it is for the stuck and the unworthy. It is the path of us all. When we walk down it for a bit, we might start to glimpse who we really are and we may see that being human is our greatest treasure.
0: That's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Got a little long, but. It
0: is so beautiful. And interesting, because somebody just brought that exact practice up in the Ajatakasha community the other day on some comment somewhere. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing um, that you brought that up. I think um, Karen shared that, I feel like, because it was on her story. But um, amazing. Yeah. So what do you want to share before we close? What are your and then uh, make sure you tell everyone how they find you too. I have April's um, website going across the screen, but do share for audio and all that, how folks can find you and what, what yeah. are your parting words of wisdom? Okay. I um, let me think. So you'll probably be hearing a little bit more about a book
1: coming out. I'm not going to say when, cause you know how that goes, right? <laughs> um, and then Raquel Bravo and I are starting our own little show next week called, Walking hi Lurakel walking the path of courage. And um, we'll be exploring some of these topics a little more so you can join us there. Also have a group in the in your lovely app called The Wisdom of Our Bodies. And then I think we're back on April 15th doing our, our quarterly thing from grace to grace. And you can find me on aprilrene.co. Um, Make sure you don't do calm Cause you won't get me, CEO. <laughs> <See you. laughs> okay, and you can join uh, Zoom classes anytime you want. It's ten. They're ten thirty on Monday. Oh, uh, excuse me, eleven o'clock Mondays Eastern Time. Uh, ten thirty on Friday. Uh, Wednesdays and Fridays Eastern Time. And I also do uh, you know private uh, sessions and um, life coaching. And I have some videos up. I'll be putting more up. But I I do have a um video subscription membership that I think has like 25 hours of videos or something. So, you know, if you can't make the classes, the videos are there. And, um, you know, I love to connect and that's what I'm doing. So, and I I think my name's April Renee on on the app as well.
0: Well, I love you so much, April. I am so glad that you graced my life. And I think that you have so much to offer. And I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Oh, thank you. We have so much to do together, Lisa. And I so appreciate your
1: platform and your hard work and, you know, this incredible uh, this incredible willingness to highlight others, you know, that's not always the case. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like when people succeed. And, you know, that's, a, that's a really incredible gift that you're giving all of us to, to be seen in a different way and to be heard in a different way. and And that's uniquely you. So it's, it's, it's very, I'm very grateful for you.
0: Oh well, thank you, April. I'm grateful for you too, and I can't wait to read your book because I know it's going to be full of just beautiful things. And you guys, again, you can find April at aprilaprilrene.co. You can also find her in Ajata Casa and find her group in there. And we'll be back on April 15th together for From Grace to Grace, which I'm really excited about as well. She's also going to be featured in Awakened Grace um, later this year as well. So. Um, you can find her in all sorts of places. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, April, for being here and have a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend.